0: Hi, and welcome to Vince and Jason Save the Nation. I'm your host, Jason Nichols. I'm here with my good friend, Vince Colonnades. And we're going to have a really good discussion today. Vince, what do we have on tap for today?
1: Well, I want to talk about this New York City election chaos because we have big trouble in the Big Apple. Yesterday, <laughs> uh, as we are still waiting for the vote results from this ranked choice voting system, this is how Democrats are choosing their nominee for the New York City mayoral race. Uh, there was an allegation made by uh, Eric Adams, uh, who is the Brooklyn Borough president. He's a former police officer. Um, he made an allegation yesterday. He was, he's been in the lead, but he said that there have been some voting irregularities that he'd like to get to the bottom of as these numbers are coming in. He has suggested that, um, that the vote totals were 100,000 plus more. Than the total announced on election night. And that raised serious questions. He makes the allegation, and it's not too long after that that the New York City Board of Elections does come out and say, yes, there is a massive discrepancy, and it's just over a hundred thousand. In fact, it's a hundred and thirty-five thousand extra ballots. The explanation for this, Jason, is that uh they were running tests. Through the system. They were using test ballots and they made the mistake of leaving those test ballots in the system prior to the actual election. And then those 135,000 ballots end up getting counted. This is, they're obviously going to go back now and they're going to recount all of the appropriate ballots here. Um, But this is definitely chaotic and not the kind of thing that instills trust in the system in New York. You know, Eric Adams came out, he called this out. And uh, there were a bunch of of Democrat pundits specifically who jumped all over him for saying this. I saw, you know, MSNBC's Chris Hayes suggesting yesterday that this is the product of Donald Trump expressing um, questions about election results and that this is now bleeding over into Democrat Party races as well. And he was one of several uh, people who, who suggested that uh, it was inappropriate to, to question an election like this. It turns out Eric Adams was dead on and this is um, a, a pretty remarkable series of events in, in what should be like, don't you think that we should have a system that that can count these votes a little more quickly, Jason, and a little more accurately?
0: Uh, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm honestly not sold on ranked choice voting. Um, yes. So, you know, I, I actually have questions about that and I don't think that there can be a um a connection between the big election lie of 2020 and, you know, the incompetence in New York with this new system that they just implemented, I believe in 2019 um, with, you know, what happened around the country, which was not ranked choice voting um, and which has been looked at and litigated and audited so many times that have shown very clearly, who won that election? So I think people who are making that specious leap, and I understand why Chris Hayes and others—I didn't see Chris Hayes, uh, you know—respond to it. But I understand why others. I understand why others may have been a little apprehensive to say, "Hey, maybe we should look at this. Maybe this is a little strange," um, because they don't want to feed in to some of the right-wing conspiracies that have come out about the 2020 election, which was completely different.
1: Well, here's let me let me read the Chris Hayes tweet uh, to you, so it'll give you some more perspective. He said, "Quote: Something to consider is that the corrosive big lie conspiracy theorizing and delegitimization of elections that Trump and the GOP have unleashed won't necessarily just stay contained to them." And this is a pretty clear shot at Eric Adams for even raising this yesterday. But again, as I said, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, Eric Adams was right. The Board of Elections came out and said. Yeah, there's a massive number of votes that should not have been counted that were.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of, uh, well, first of all, he didn't didn't sound like he called Eric Adams out by name or didn't call out New York City by name. Uh, it just seems like he was saying, look, this could bleed over when people lose elections, which Eric Adams was not losing even after they entered these uh, new votes into the system. And we won't know who won definitively until they count 120,000 absentee ballots that are still right. out right so um, eric adams has a sizable lead um, i think you know new york has a bunch of problems um, in terms i think the new york democratic party has some issues that they they need to fix um and this was obviously not some sort of malevolent force that was trying to steal an election one way or the other this was incompetence This was, hey, we want to run a test, which is what you should do, but you should also take those votes out of the system. And they clearly failed because one of the things that Maya uh, Maya Wiley said was that the problem with the, the BOE in New York is that it's always been a system of nepotism and like political favors and people who don't necessarily have bad intentions, but are, unqualified for the positions that they're in go in and then you get incompetency. Like you saw, uh, right. you know, what, what happened? Uh, I think Eric Adams, honestly, you know, will probably win this election. Uh, I don't think Garcia is going to pull ahead of him. You know, this had Garcia within two points, I believe. Uh, and then, you know, it came out that some of these votes were, or this a hundred thousand or 130,000 that they put in, as right. a test uh, which we we should feel good that they were testing we should feel bad about the incompetence of the people working with the BOE who kept yeah. it. And
1: <clears throat> how like embarrassed that, how embarrassed do you think democrats are about these election systems cuz like so New York is you just gave an example of it and you're right as New York has been a disaster especially for the democrat primaries last you know, Last year, it took forever for the primary results to come in from New York during the 2020 election. Uh, and that was in Democrats were were chewing their fingers off at how long that process actually took. And remember the disaster of the Iowa caucuses last year, where uh, did we I don't think we ever got actu- an actual winner in the Democrat Iowa caucuses last year, uh, because that was just how poorly that was run. Um the i'm not talking about sort of the bipartisan election or the general election system now i just mean for the democratic party um it kind of seems like the democrats need to figure out how to fix the systems in a couple of different states here so that we get accurate assessments of who voters actually want
0: yeah and i believe if i'm not mistaken in iowa didn't they have some sort of rank choice situation there too i'm not i'm not positive uh, or was it was a caucus. Caucus so a caucus system. Yeah, a caucus is basically a rank choice uh, situation um, and Iowa in Iowa, they tried to employ some sort of new technology with an app uh, and the app failed and that's what caused that disaster. Um, I think it's pretty right. clear. I think it was pretty clear that I believe Buttigieg won that.
1: Yeah, Buttigieg did eventually uh, get named as the winner there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Buttigieg won that. And I think, you know, which makes sense. He's a Midwesterner, you know, and uh, he was he was very popular in that region of the country. He's a rust belter. He's a he's a Midwesterner from a those small, you know, or mid uh post industrial city. But I think that there were Midwesterners, Midwesterners who found him uh, charming and he's extremely polished. In my opinion, he's too polished. You know, if there's a, if there's a such thing in politics where you can be too polished uh, that's Pete Buttigieg, which actually makes people not trust him. Um, And we've talked about this with like Donald Trump, he has no polish. And I think that was endearing to some people that was charming to some people. Cause it, felt like he was telling you the truth even when he was yeah. telling you a lie. Um I think the fact that he had no polish and Pete Buttigieg even for me I was like bro you are too
1: pops." <laughs> uh-huh. You know? so, let me can I ask you about ranked choice voting for a second? So you know what you right. know what's incredible about this system is that it's very actually difficult to explain it. So if right. if if you were asked like to to explain ranked choice voting to a voter like I get it. It's like, Hey, put your top five preferences on the ballot. And then at the end of this, we're going to try and go with the unity candidate based on, you know, who's still available. I guess that's the best way to, to describe it. But what it, what it is, is if you, if you boil it down, it's okay. So they'll take the first round, they'll take all the ballots and whoever is the loser that person will be knocked off of all of the other ballots and then we will recount again and whoever loses in that second round we knock them off and then we count all of the ballots again and it's it's this giant process that's a bit complicated to actually explain and it makes it harder for voters to get an assessment of like how did this work why is it taking so long to count who's actually the winner
0: and I would argue
1: I, I've been in the past. I've been on both sides of this. I've, I've definitely been for rank choice. I thought it was a good way to sort of take the animosity out of particularly like, you know, a single party fight. You know, yeah. Choose your f- top five favorite Republicans or choose your top five favorite Democrats. Uh, and then, you know, whoever is kind of the consensus candidate wins. I, I, I get the spirit behind that, but making it so it's so incomprehensible to the voter is probably not a good system. We we probably just need to stick with the good old fashioned primary vote. You want the vote, earn it. And if you get voted on the first ballot as the winner, you're the winner.
0: Yeah, I I think it's, so I understand the purpose of ranked choice voting. Um, Particularly when you've got a ton of candidates and some candidate that gets 18% of the vote and you're like, that guy's the winner? Like most of us didn't want him. He wasn't our second, third or fourth choice. Uh, or or first choice but just this one segment of the population that was just large enough voted for this guy and he gets to be our mayor our governor our senator whatever and so I understand the purpose of ranked choice voting I do think that ranked choice voting is problematic for a couple of reasons Um, number one it's confusing and number two it actually encourages more candidates to enter races, you know? So you had 13 candidates in this New York city mayoral race. um, And there were at least seven of them who had no shot, you know, but they were like, maybe I'll be a second or third or fourth choice, Uh you know, and maybe this will raise my profile. Uh, Maybe this will help me the next time I want to run for, you know, a city council or whatever. Um, And I, and I think that that is problematic. Um, in some cases, we do want to expand democracy. We want to make it so that, uh, you know, uh, these races are open to anybody who wants to run, but I think sometimes this encourages people, uh, who have aspirations down the line to enter into these races, just trying to raise their profile. Hmm. The biggest loser out of the New York situation was Andrew Yang. I mean, how far has that guy dropped? I mean, he was somebody who was a legitimate presidential candidate uh at least in the Democratic prim- primary. I think he pulled some independents and people in the center uh because of some of his kind of populist ideas. Right. And I thought that you know, he was you know, the front runner coming into this race. And you know, He just completely imploded in this uh, New York City mayoral race, particularly with his comments about homelessness. And, you know, it really did not go well for him. And I was really shocked. I thought that he was going to do a lot better. I didn't know if he was going to win. But it also shows you that people care about politics on the ground. Yeah. And they don't necessarily care that you're on TV. You know, or else Maya Wiley would have would have won by a large margin, margin or uh, Andrew Yang would have won. But instead, you've got two candidates who most Americans don't know in, in Garcia and in uh, Eric Adams. Eric Adams, right. You know, who are, who are one of them is going to be probably the next mayor of New York City.
1: What is the uh, what do you think the lesson is that Eric Adams is in the lead right now? I mean, it is possible, although that gap is closing. Uh, as you've noted, um, it is possible that he will be the next mayor of New York City. Is there a lesson there for Democrats, particularly on the issue of crime? Because he he's run on this agenda of uh, trying to bring crime down in the city. He's a former police officer. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, he could be soon the next mayor of New York. Is there a lesson here?
0: Well, I think one of the big lessons is, number one, um, I think de Blasio one of the things that unites New Yorkers on the right and the left is their distaste for de Blasio. And I think that some people see that as kind of big machine democratic politics. Um, And they see, I think de Blasio, which I think is erroneous, but they see de Blasio um, in a way, uh, certainly to the left of somebody like Adams. Um, And I think that there's there's some rejection of that. But I also think that the Democratic Party in New York City as opposed to other cities around the country. Uh the Democratic Party hasn't done a good job in New York City of getting young black and latino voters to cast ballots and to get candidates that they would vote for. So there's I just don't believe that young black and latino voters are going to vote, you know, we go out and vote for Adams. Um, some of them, you know, are voting for Maya Wiley, some are voting for Garcia, but they're not going to go out and cast those ballots for Adams. I think one of the things that um, Democrats, because a Democrat generally will win New York, even though you've had, uh, you know, before de Blasio, you had, um, you know, a, an independent, don't know what he is guy, and then you had a right wing reactionary uh, Republican, uh, who have been the governor, uh, excuse me, the mayor of New York city. But generally I think Democrats have kind of rested on their laurels that New York is a democratic state and that New York city is a left-leaning city. And they haven't gone out and tried to recruit young African-American and Latino. And to, uh, you know, an extent, young Asian American working class people to cast ballots. I think if they did that, you would have had a different outcome. I think, you know, next time around someone like a, a guy like Ruben Diaz, who is the borough president, I believe, of the Bronx uh, Afro Latino guy black Latino guy. Uh, I think he's black Puerto Rican um, is somebody who I think comes out of that kind of hip hop generation. He identifies with younger people. Uh, I believe yeah. he's he's more pro- more progressive, certainly than Adams. Like if you start. You know, grooming guys like that, and actually going out and registering young people to vote, like they're doing in other parts of the country, right. you would have a different outcome instead of uh, someone who is basically a you know uh, a black version of uh, Bloomberg.
1: Huh. So you mentioned who was the name of the guy that you just mentioned, the Afro Latino guy?
0: Uh, Ruben Diaz. Ruben, Ruben Diaz, Diaz Jr. So, I, think so- his, I think his father was borough president. If I'm not mistaken, of, uh, of the Bronx earlier. But gotcha. Yeah, his, his name's Ruben Diaz. I believe he's a junior.
1: So if Ruben Diaz would appeal in, in part on the basis of uh, his race being Afro Latino, does Eric Adams appeal at all on the basis of his race? Who said it was on the basis of his race? You mentioned that he was Afro Latino. Yeah.
0: No, but I, I don't think that people would vote for him just because of his race. I think it's uh, partially because of his um, his politics. You know, um, it, the, all of the front runners in this race were people of color mm-hmm. in, on, on the Democratic side. You know, you got, you got Garcia, you got Adams, you got, and I think one of the big mistakes, and this is what Republicans, you know, honestly, like I've thought about it. I was like, yo, I could make a lot of money if I started like consulting for Republicans because Republicans just don't get it in terms of race. They think that black people vote for black people because they're black. You know, you heard that all the time with Obama. You know, you know they just voted for Obama because he's black. Black people were supported him because he's black. Yes, there was a historic element to it, but I think that they also uh, politically agreed with him. Um, so if you look, for example, I'm in the state of Maryland. Yeah. Um, we've had black Republicans really qualified Black Republicans, you know? Uh, Alan Keyes. And I remember, uh, what's his name? Bill Bennett, who was who was part of the Reagan administration. He said if yeah. Alan Keyes, I'll never forget. He said if Alan Keyes were white, he would have been president of the United States. Hmm. So what does that tell me? That tells me that Black, that white people vote against Black candidates because they're Black. Not And of course, this was a different era but not that Black people automatically vote for someone who they share the same skin color with, because Black people voted against Alan Keyes in every race he ran. Then we have, you know, the man who was dubbed the notorious GOP, um, Michael Steele, who was a really qualified Black Republican. He ran in Maryland several times, or he certainly ran, I believe, for Senate. Right. uh, And he failed and a bunch of Black people in Prince George's County and Baltimore City cast their ballots for someone they agreed with more and it happened to be a crusty old white dude, you know? So um, I think, again, not not the younger, you know, Black uh, conservative. I think Black people vote for people they agree with more. I also think that Black people, older Black people in particular, and this is why I said Ruben Diaz, for a younger generation, older African-Americans are more conservative. Mm-hmm. They're not Republicans. They won't vote for, you know, Curtis Sliwa or Sliwa. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've only read it, but they're not going to vote for a Republican. They're not going to vote for Giuliani because they see him as hostile to the things that they want and to uh, the things that they desire, but they will vote for someone like Adams, you know, older Black people who are more, you know, uh, concerned with public safety and thinking that public safety is going to come from police, which there's no evidence of that. But anyway, there's you know, they're (laughs) going to vote. They're going to vote, you know, uh, according to that, you know, older African-Americans are more conservative. Younger African-Americans are more progressive and idealistic. And so I think, you know, that's the difference, I would say, between you know some of these younger candidates and some of the older ones yeah um, and, no, and the
1: de- i i never you know for what it's worth i never suggested that like race was a defining principle on why the, the reason somebody votes. Um, I mean, the media does often frame the idea that race is is a meaningful factor. I don't know what the percentage is, but that people will look at the race of a candidate. Maybe they think, okay, maybe I see myself in that person or I want that representation or whatever. So it may it may play a role. So when you cited that, you know, one of the guys in New York is is Afro Latino, I was thinking, well, I wonder to what extent, if any, uh, Eric Adams being black would actually interest voters in supporting him. Uh, you know, again, it doesn't have to be the dominant factor, just like you said. I think, it, I think it can be
0: a factor. Uh, just, I'm not going to I'm not going to completely uh, dismiss yeah. it and say that, you know, seeing yourself in somebody, somebody you as we st- had the discussion, I think, last uh, show, you know, someone you probably see across the aisle at church. Someone who probably you, sure. you, know, you probably saw growing up in, in a neighborhood or can cite experiences that you may have experienced um, I think that there are, you know, that race and culture can play a role. It's not and just the skin color. And here's here's the other part of it. It's not it's not
1: just about the skin color that Eric Adams is. It's I guess in part it's the skin color that Eric Adams isn't, right? So like if he's going to come in and say, "Look, we need you know we need uh, more and better policing in New York because we've got this rampant problem with crime," nobody's going to look at him and be to, and think that he's got some sort of like crypto racist agenda, right? Like that he's like trying to sneak in some sort of racist agenda. Like you just instinctually would be like, "Of course not!" Like I'm like that. He's a black guy. Like I, I gotta believe that he has black people's interests at heart, right?
0: Uh, no, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I do think. Um, for some people they will look at the fact that he is affiliating himself with the democratic party yeah he is somebody even though he's had questionable dis- you know discussions about things like stop and frisk uh he claims to not support it um <clears throat> he's made questionable uh conver- you know uh comments about it in the past but he claims right. to not support it so people are like hey he's the centrist kind of candidate and i would say the majority of Older African-Americans are centrists. So, for example, we can look at someone like, um, you know, uh, Clyburn. You know, mm-hmm. he just rejected Nina Turner uh, and has sided with one of her opponents. I think I believe her name is Chantelle Brown. Um, and Nina Turner is obviously a progressive. Clyburn is a you know, an older African-American who's certainly closer to the center than Nina Turner. And I think you're going to, you know, that is where the majority of older African-Americans are. They are conservative. And this is why I think it's funny that Republicans don't actually go out and try to seek votes and instead try to keep people from voting. If they actually went out and tried you know, with with some seriousness, not putting someone like Burgess Owens on TV or, uh, you know, some just a black face or, or uh, you know, Candace. or I don't know who it is, whatever. Just putting a black face on TV because black people feel insulted by that. You're insulting my intelligence with that. If you actually go out and make good faith um, efforts to recruit black voters. Um, you will, I think that could be successful for Republicans. I've actually considered in the past and, and, you know, maybe I'm letting out the cat out of the bag, but I was an unaffiliated voter up until I think 2018, that's when Mm -hmm. I switched. And I was 100% open to Republicans if they gave me a reason to vote for them. And then it was just like, all right, everything is hostile (laughs) to, to what it is. That I stand for. I thought maybe we could get some populist Republicans who could come in and say, look, I want you to be able to hold your guns. I'm cool with that. And I'd be like, all right, yeah, I'm with that. You know, I want you, you know, there are certain conservative principles that I stand by, but I also believe in these populist principles and that we need to do some things for African American communities and not have, you know, these crazy backgrounds and not be, you know, not sit there and and look the other way when you have Paul okay. Gosar and other people around.
1: Okay. Let's, 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 uh, let's, let's take this moment. We'll put a key, we'll put a key mark right here on the podcast. Uh, okay. And I want to move into the, to this next phase because I think what you're getting at is uh super interesting. So more uh, with Jason Nichols, Vince is here in just a second. Okay. Jason, you're, you, you're talking about how there was a point 2018. That's when you basically gave it up, but there was at least a point where you said, you know, I could entertain supporting Republicans if they met my needs as a voter. Um, I, got, I, got, I wanna ask you about that in the inverse. Like what has, first of all, I disagree with the idea that Republicans are trying to keep uh, uh, black people out of the system. Have they been attentive enough to the needs of black voters? I don't think so, but I don't think that they've been trying to uh, keep people out. Here's the thing though, you know, at one point Donald Trump had raised this question What the hell do you have to lose? You remember this, the idea that like, how exactly has black support for the democratic party uh, just being locked in for the last half century where you've got, you know, typically well over 90% black support for the democratic party. What has that done actually? Like what, like what would be the point in sticking with that routine?
0: So again, I agree that uh, Democrats have not necessarily delivered um, in the ways, and I think part of that, I would argue, is because we've gone with, you know, these centrist Democrats, you know what I mean? And who are, in many ways, they're they're like, uh, you know, Republicans are essentially like, look, African-Americans, screw you. And Democrats are like, screw you, but happy Kwanzaa or, you know, <laughs> and happy Juneteenth. So I I do agree that there, there, uh, you know, has been problematic issues with Democrats um, not necessarily coming through on a lot of the things that they've tried to. um, And also, you know, facing a lot of opposition from the other side, which is, you know, basically 50% of the country. Um, I do think that there is a difference between being hostile to my, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sacrifice, you know, vote for, you know, bad, you know, at the expense of voting for average. You know what I mean? I, I think Democrats, we have seen incremental change. You and I have talked about the fact that there has been progress made uh, for African Americans uh, in terms of of a lot of different areas. And when you look at uh, you know some of the things that, that the Democratic Party has advocated for, uh, it's been things that African-Americans have asked for. Um, but at the same time, I think that when you look at what the Republican Party and not only what they are advocating for, the things that they have said and the, and the characters that they have involved, you know, it, it's pretty clear that they are hostile to, to you know, the things that African Americans want and desire. Uh, and I think that that's what keeps African Americans from voting for Republicans.
1: Well, I, I just think that like the Democrat prescriptions for I don't even know what the Democrat plan for black America is actually for black Americans. I'm not I'm not, I'm not quite sure what they've they vocalized of use. Um, because like, I mean, let's be honest, like at its core, you know, you and I have talked about a lot of these issues, but at its core is that for poor black Americans, which is really the category of people we're talking about, the people who need the most help for poor black Americans, um, the things that are holding them back are, uh, the absence of men in the community. Where does the absence of men in the community come from? It comes from the war on drugs. It comes, um, from imprisonment. Uh, and it comes from uh, definitely in urban settings, gangbanging and violence and death. The number one, the number one way that any young black man dies in America today is homicide. It's homicide. That's the single that's the single greatest way that they that they die. Um, and I disagree with that.
0: That's that's absolutely not true.
1: It is true. It's statistically no, black
0: true. black people are dying from preventable diseases. That's what they're dying from. It's no, young. Not no, 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 no,
1: no. I didn't say all black people. I said young black men. I didn't say all black people. You're right. I mean, th- that's that's right, and that'll that'll strike you down. And that's a sure. health
0: that's a health care issue, that, which the Democratic Party has is farther along than the Republican Party. The Democratic Party, when we want to talk about uh, what they've accomplished for for Black Americans, um, and I, you know, I, I may get this wrong, but I'll cite it. When you look at uh, the fact that over 28 years of Democratic presidents versus 26 years of Republican presidents, uh, black wealth has gone up under Democratic presidents and has gone down under Republican presidents. And I'll find you the the exact uh, statistics uh, a little later. Uh, The other thing is when we look at healthcare, the fact that there are more insured African-Americans now uh, under under you know Medicare for uh, not Medicare for I'm sorry uh under uh, Obamacare the Obamacare than there yeah. were before. Um uh, so I think that there are these small gains now I don't think they're enough. I agree if Republicans, if there were a Republican who came along and said, hey I can do better than that, you know, um I I think that I would be like oh, okay I'll hear you out. You know, um I I'll definitely hear out anybody who is going to to act in the interests of working people? Certainly working black people. But I don't think that that is where the Republican Party is. And when I say they are taking things away, of course the big thing now is voting, you know um, but we've already we've exhausted but- that topic.
1: Yeah. And I think that just to get my my point on that, in, I think that that's predicated on fear mongering. I think that's I don't think there's meaningful truth to that at all. And I think that the voter and the voter ID debate is a perfect example of this. Like for years, there's been this massive debate around voter ID that it was a suppressant. Then all the surveys came out. It turns out it actually didn't suppress anything anytime they added voter voter ID. It didn't change people's access to the polls. People used use their IDs to prove that they were, and it was fine. And now you see Democrats abandoning the talking point because the evidence is just too overwhelming that it it isn't true. Um, and I think the same is true now. And actually, if I may take it, uh, uh segue out of this topic, because I want to talk about elections and election security and where you do draw the line, where you think that people are having votes suppressed. Uh, where I know that's one of the concerns you have, for sure, as you just voiced. You know, this idea of um, people not trusting elections is not a a partisan one, unfortunately. It's not just one political party. Both political parties do not trust our elections by gigantic margins. It's not even not even close, actually. Majority of both political parties don't believe that the other party's candidate was the duly elected president of the United States. So I'll, I'll give you some stats to support that. Um, there was uh, polling done earlier this year. I think it was in May of this year that said that 56% of Republicans think that Donald Trump actually won the election based on the ballot count and that it was uh, fraudulently given to Joe Biden. Well, a, a, a real majority of Republicans actually believe that. And the 2016 election, if you pull if you pull data from. YouGov in 2018, late 2018, a survey was done of Democrats, 76% of Democrats, 76% of Democrats believed that Russia changed the vote tallies in 2016. That is unbelievable. Now, what that means is that we've we've got basically the bases of both political parties, the majority of people of both political parties who don't have any confidence in our system, like the way we actually govern our system, they have no faith whatsoever that it's actually uh, working. So what can we do, do you think, to instill confidence in this system, to give people a sense that the vote that they're casting is actually count, and that the person who we are told by the media and by these boards of elections, yeah, they won, is actually the person who won that election. What can we do?
0: You know, I. I- you know, I'm, I'm not familiar uh, with the Gov survey. I do think that there was a serious reaction when Donald Trump won that election. Um, I think a lot of people were frustrated because like with many um, Republican uh, presidential elections, not many, but a few uh, in, in presidential elections, they lost the popular vote but won the electoral college. And I think that that frustrates a lot of people who say more Americans wanted this person, but why is this person president? Um, but that's our system, you know, right now, if, if we want to change it, we need to change it. But I think that there, I don't recall, at least in my circles, and and again, total anecdote versus your, yeah. your evidence, but I will say, I don't recall anybody saying that it was fraudulent. Um, I think there were people who were there was kind of this media hysteria around Russia. Yes. And I think what Russia did, they did interfere in our election. That's fact. There's no question okay. about it. But this they is, didn't change vote. Hold on. They didn't change vote tallies. That yes. that we know.
1: Right, right. So the 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 vote tally poll, I'm looking at the Ugov data here. 67 this is this is a this was a survey done in November of 2018, November 4th through the 6th of 2018. The Ugov survey shows 67. I said 76. Excuse me. It was 67. Let me flip those numbers around. 67 percent of Democrats believe it is definitely true or probably true that Russia tampered with vote tallies in order to get Donald Trump elected. There's, of course, no evidence that Russia tampered with vote tallies, as Jason Nichols just said um, precisely. But but my point my point is is merely it, 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 take the partisanship away from it for a moment, like whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat consuming this, or you're, you were leaning one way or the other on that. There's a fundamental question at stake. In order for a Democratic Republic to operate, you've got to have confidence that the votes that are cast are the votes that are counted. And in the end, that that person's actually the person who should be in charge. And what can be done to cure that? And I, and I submit that one thing that actually could be done is to pass laws in the states where these elections are governed that do give people confidence in the sanctity of that vote. Now, should those laws make it difficult for somebody to cast a ballot legally? Well, no, it shouldn't be excessively burdensome in any way. It should be minimally burdensome, just enough in order to prove that you are who you say you are. I think that's a good, decent minimum threshold. But so long as it satisfies that, right, easy easy to vote hard to cheat hard to introduce any sort of skepticism in the system the 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 better that our election laws do that well the more guaranteed our future as a country is i think
0: so i'm going to disagree only with one idea first of all with the the area and and how partisan and divided our country is which i don't think the last four years helped uh Right, And the way we point fingers at one another, I don't think that any law is going to help that. I think that has to come from the American people themselves to say, look, you know, uh, I want more people to vote, not fewer. I want more people, more Americans to be able to vote because that's the Democratic in the Democratic Republic. Um, I want more people to vote. And one of the things that I think the recent state laws are doing is, and this is the one that's not being talked about, and you and I have discussed this before, is that they're making it easier to contest or overturn an election. And that takes the Democratic out of Democratic Republic. And I think that that is the thing that most Democrats while they were focusing in the media on water being passed out instead of wait a minute, somebody can challenge this and then, you know, a judge can overturn it. Uh, I think that that is incredibly troubling. I think also when you have these cases of mistakes and fraud and they get caught, that is a sign of the system working, not the system if, failing. Yes, that means especially the system caught something now. Again, there are times, again, when powerful people spread lies about the election system and literally cause hysteria. Like you said that there's hysteria around voting. I would say the hysteria is when, like I said with Texas, when they spend 22,000 man hours that they could have been doing something else constructive, they go and spend all of these man hours looking for fraud, in a state that has 17 million voters, and they find 16 people. None of this cases are serious enough to prosecute. And I think that that is something that we are having issues with.
1: Is uh, why? Waste why be, of
0: resources?
1: Wait, 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 why? And be I think opposed the media, to
0: that?
1: Why be opposed to that, though? I so so I,
0: I don't really understand the because they're looking opposition. for something that's not there. No, but, how, I, but wait a I, second. I wait. And dig in my basement for gold. It's it's probably not there, I'm wasting my time. I could
1: okay, be on talking to Vince. I, I got it, like, and you're right, that is more important than looking for gold, thank you. But I, <laughs> my, my only point is like, Follow I don't this really, Vince. I, don't, I don't really understand the partisan opposition. The only reason you would fundamentally be opposed on a partisan basis, I think, is if you think that the the hunt itself is led by corrupt officials. Like that, that would be a reasonable thing. When you think, okay, look, the, the officials in question can't be trusted in terms of their findings. But when somebody's like actually doing a genuine fact-finding mission, even if you think the whole thing is poppycock, you're like, oh, okay, go ahead, search. You're not going to find anything. It's only going to prove my point. Then I don't really understand why the opposition to that anyway. Like it, well, it, because, all right, it, so it would, let me
0: give you another metaphor um, or analogy or, sure, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to raid your house looking for drugs. Because you may have drugs because someone, some random person who doesn't know you, you know, some powerful person, Okay. That was upset because of, the, of an interview that Vince Colonnais said, yeah, you know, had with him, said he had drugs. So I am just blindly, <laughs> you know, going to search for drugs for uh-huh. hours throughout your house. I- when there's no evidence, it's not like there was a whole lot of traffic or there was something that caused this to actually happen. And I'm going to waste law enforcement's time and resources. You know, which come out of taxpayers like me and the people who are watching, looking for drugs in Vince Colonnese's house. Okay. Guess what? I find aspirin. You know, I find (laughs) a prescription drug for, you know, for a toe fungus. Don't tell people about that. Don't tell
1: people about that, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it, no, look, I, I think I look, I understand the metaphor you're trying to make. I think it's a terrible one because and here's why is because, um, you know, that would be unnecessarily burdensome, of course, on me. And like that would be like, t- like if you were to call in a SWAT team on me, like that's that'd be completely outrageous that you wouldn't that would be a punishment in and of itself. But the idea that government officials would would audit the votes and look back over them and then guarantee that, yeah, the outcome we told you was the outcome that's correct. Um, I don't think is unnecessarily burdensome. In fact, well, I actually think, and in, f- in fact, I actually think that it might be a worthwhile endeavor to to build routine audits into election systems nationwide um, in order to ensure the integrity of those votes. It, uh, my point is that having some trust, and this is a theme of this program, I think, in part because I keep talking about it, but I think you and I agree. having trust in what you see, you hear, you consume, your news, the votes, That's all completely essential to our system. And right now it doesn't matter what party you're in. Nobody trusts anything.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to respond to that right after we take a quick second here. So again, I I think the, the trust, um, is going to come and, and here's where I think you and I will agree. It's going to come from the media. Like I think the media Uh, There's right-wing media out there that stoked fears that your votes were not being counted, your desires were not being uh, met, and that, uh, you know, so that made people distrust things after two or, uh, is it two or three audits that they already had in Arizona. I think for a close election, there should absolutely be an audit, uh, an, an automatic audit, and I believe that's built into the system we've seen it in florida a couple of times some of these yeah, really divided states if you, you know, if when, you
1: come within if you come within a certain percentage point the losing candidate can almost always uh, ask for a recount in, in most election systems and then they will be granted one because it met a minimum threshold
0: right and and i just want to um give that statistic uh real quick that I, that i stated earlier cuz i can hear somebody right now in the comments is like Donald Trump, lowers Black unemployment, blah, 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 blah. But here we go. Under Democratic presidents, Black families' incomes grew, on average, $895 annually, but only grew by $142 under Republicans. The Black unemployment rate fell by a net of 7.9 percentage points across the 26 years of Democratic leadership, but went up by a net of 13.7 points during 28 years of Republican presidencies. Across the years of Democratic leadership, Black poverty declined by a net of 23.6 percentage points, but grew by three three points when Republicans held the White House. Now that was up until 2012, I believe. So this this study is a little bit dated. But I just wanted to, to state that to say, why is there some level of uh, loyalty that African Americans have to uh, the Democratic Party? Um, and so I think that some of that is earned over these, you know, several years, 50 years or whatever, Yeah, where there have been actual economic returns and there are other reasons why. But I do actually want to see if we can move on to this other issue uh, with the last little bit of um, time that we have here. Sure. And that is that a hammer thrower at the Olympic trials. Yes. By the name of Barry. um, Gwen,
1: Gwen Barry.
0: Gwen Barry uh, did an anthem protest. And Uh, I wanted to, you know, get your reaction to that. There are some people who believe that she should not represent the United States of America. Um, They want to do basically what they did to Tommy Smith, uh, you know, back in the 60s um, and kind of ban her from from competition and say she shouldn't represent. Uh, There are other people who are siding with her uh, and showing her, you know, saying that she's brave for what she did. And so I wanted to get your reaction to that.
1: I mean, it all seemed pretty stupid to me. I I think, you know, I don't know if she needs to be banned. She should if she actually feels that way, she shouldn't want to do it. She should ban herself, you know what I mean? Like just get like not even not be a part of the competition. Like if she doesn't want to represent America, then don't. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. But
0: I, I I don't think just to clarify because she did an interview I believe on the Black News channel. Um And she said in that interview that it wasn't that she didn't want to represent the United States or that she was ashamed of the United States or that she didn't love the United States. This was different uh, even than Colin Kaepernick's kneeling, which again, he didn't say he didn't love the United States either. Uh, But what she said, her, her protest was against the actual song not even though, not the flag, not anything. It was the song, um, which a lot of people, both on the right and left, not a lot of people on the right, but some say that there are better options than uh, the Star Spangled Banner, you know, in terms of songs that should be played because the Star Spangled Banger, oh, I'm sorry, Star Spangled it is. Banner.
1: <laughs> it is a banger though. You gotta yeah, be it might honest. Be a
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know that that uh, um song of course, makes references to violence against hirelings and and slaves
1: in um, later verses, yeah,
0: yeah, and, and not the verse that we normally play, right, but it's uh I believe the third stanza of the song talks about violence against hirelings and slave, uh, and she was saying, why don't we have another song? There are many people who have suggested, and I actually agree with this that we should use America, the beautiful, like there's, that's a unifying song. <laughs> there's no like going down and saying, okay, this is, this is uh, like a troubling song here, America, the beautiful. I think we all appreciate that song.
1: Especially when Ray Charles sings it.
0: Absolutely. Especially yeah, now, I, now,
1: now, um, look, I, I just thought that the whole exercise was totally self-indulgent and, um, and spoiled to be frank. I, I, just, just stand up. I mean, it's the national anthem. It's not that hard. Just stand up there, you know, put your hand over your heart and stop looking for attention. And I thought, I thought it was an attention seeking exercise. I think it's pretty clear that it was, I mean, I looked at her, you know, if you, if you looked at her Twitter account up until she got a tremendous amount of attention in the wake of this, if you looked at her Twitter account on her actual bio, she had the words sponsor me exclamation point, like in the bio <laughs> of her, Twitter.
0: like she, she, uh, you know, she, here's what wait, actually, is, Hey Steve, wait, Vince, it, is that what we should do in order to get sponsor my, us, please? Yeah, sponsor us, sponsor Vince and Jason Save I'm the not, nation.
1: I'm not beneath publicity stunts. I, no, I probably wouldn't either. do it. I wouldn't do Athletes it. Athletes need
0: sponsorships. That's how they survive. That's how they eat.
1: I wouldn't do it to the American flag. But I, uh, you know, I think uh, some, some uh, somebody pointed out to me the other day. I think this is right. Like she, she probably has seen like she has to have how effective this type of activism is in, in getting attention here, we are talking about it and secondarily maybe making some money off of it. Potentially I mean, look at Colin Kaepernick has scored a very good deal uh, from, from Nike. He's been paid, you know, some unknown sum of money to be one of the faces of Nike. Um, you know, Megan Rapino is, you know, in her activism has definitely um, earned her plenty of cash and endorsements. She's done very well for herself by making that um, sort of the defining quality rather than just being the soccer player, which is, is fine. Like she gets to do a bunch of different things, but I think a lot of people think of her principally as an activist for, for a range of causes. And that's how now she's the face of Victoria's secret. Um, I, I'm you know, this Gwen Berry is probably looking around going, look, all I got to do is put on a little show in this one oh. moment.
0: And this is going to pay off for me. Well, look, so again, athletes need sponsorship, so I'm not against any athlete saying sponsor me. Um, I, I will say that, um, you know, Megan Rapinoe and Gwen Berry, I believe Gwen Berry came in third at the trials.
1: She did, third. Um, I don't know, and I don't know the names of the first and the second place hammer throw. Right, but I right. I do know now, the name of Gwen Berry.
0: Right, um, I think all activism is meant to get attention. When, why would you be active if you don't want attention to your cause? That's that's what activism is literally about. Dr. King, yes. when he he was, you think that they, Dr. King, didn't know that there were television cameras, you know, taking, uh, you know, footage and it wouldn't air on the nightly news. Yes, activists want attention. <laughs> you know, but that's, that I don't think the, that's wrong.
1: But the point that's, of that, the point of that though, I agree with you, is to affect change not to fill your pockets with it
0: but who says that she but again you're you're judging something that you have no that's true you can't say that she only wanted attention because she wanted money and let's be honest she is getting some attention but you know she's not the level athlete that Megan Rapinoe is if you you know if she came in first I might say that but she came in third Megan Rapinoe is a great soccer player yeah, but you know, Colin, Ka- saying-
1: Colin Kaepernick wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't the the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. He was a middling quarterback yeah. and, yeah, and but he became... And,
0: okay, yeah, that's a that I can agree with that. I think he was, you know, in the football world, was certainly a household name after going to the Super Bowl. And I would argue um, with your comment about him making the money from Nike, I think he would have made much more money had he been playing football for another three, four, five years. Um, you know, those those football checks would have been pretty healthy, even as even if he had been a backup, which I think, you know, he's somebody that could have fought for a starting job. He could have been brought in to push a new draft pick or be a, a bridge kind of quarterback. He was that quality of a quarterback. I, I, I'm not somebody who says that he was all world or, you know, right. or, or somebody who was going to, be an all pro the following season, but, you know, he, he certainly was somebody who was a bubble starter. You know what I mean? He could have come in and been a high level backup or a bubble level starter. And I think he lost out on a lot of money by essentially the backlash against his activism. And he was willing to sacrifice that you have to, whether you agree with his cause or not, You have to respect that. I will say this, is this, or my question to you. Sure. Is this an expression of her first amendment rights or did she do something that you would say is wrong and maybe should be punished by by the Olympic Committee?
1: I mean, if the Olympic Committee decided to punish her for her behavior, it wouldn't be an infringement of her first amendment rights. Um, but I so I, I, I do think she has a First Amendment right to to um, express herself on issues around the national anthem and to say what she thinks of the country. Of course, she's she's totally entitled to do that. I just think that the whole thing I, I'm I would be much more interested in seeing her. You know if she if this is what she believes if that if she's that offended by the country and you and you you're you're making the point that she stipulated that she actually said well she's offended by the anthem but she likes the country she
0: loves the country yeah it's the song literally the song it, it's, she's like this, yeah you know she'll salute the flag she'll salute you know whatever i i don't i can't say that she would salute it but i'm assuming based on her comments on black news channel She would, you know, she loves representing the United States of America. If she didn't, she wouldn't have been involved. Um, She loves what she does. Um, She loves her neighbors and her country and all those things. But she, it's literally the song which talks about, you know, killing her ancestors and other working class, you know, working class people, you know, hirelings, uh, you know, um, there's debate about what that means. But Hirelings, you know, were certainly not the rich or the wealthy and slaves. I think it's pretty clear what that is, Um, that if this were not a very violent song, this was the 1700s or excuse me, the 1812 version of, you know, a 50 cent song. It's pretty violent and talks about killing vulnerable people. And she uh, she had an issue with that. And, you know, Francis Scott Key, by the way, is a very interesting figure in history. Um, you know, and his connection to slavery is interesting. Just a a quick, brief history lesson, you know, being that, you know, I'm a Maryland guy and Francis Scott Key is, you know, that song was about 20 minutes, you know, uh, from where I am in the Baltimore Harbor area. And, uh, he was someone who held people enslaved, Mm -hmm. but later on in life, Uh, He freed uh, his captives and actually represented, he was an attorney by trade, and he actually represented people who were seeking freedom. He represented, you know, uh, uh, Black men who were trying to sue for their freedom. Um, So he clearly had some sort of change of heart. One of the people he freed, he actually said, I'm going to free you and then I'm going to hire you and pay you a wage, you know, um, which was pretty progressive at the time. For a white man at that time to say, I could take advantage of your labor for free, but instead I'm going to free you and I'm going to actually pay you for the work you do. And went and represented uh, people who were, um, who were enslaved seeking their freedom. So Francis Scott Key, his his legacy is a complicated one. But the song, at the time that he wrote it, he was clearly someone who supported slavery. And in this case, the War of 1812, you had people who who fought on both sides. The people who fought on the, uh, I think, more Black people fought on the side of the British because they were promised freedom. Uh, And they saw what happened after the revolution, where they fought with the Continental Army and did not get the freedom that they thought they were going to get. Um, I think that, you know, uh, he was making a threat saying, Hey, you black people who are fighting against us, you're going to see the, you know, the gloom of the grave, which is a quote. So I think she's against the actual lyrics of the song. If you had played America, the beautiful, the reaction would have been different.
1: Right. I mean, also, but again, like it's not, we don't actually sing the verse you're referencing to. I mean, no. So the, our our national anthem is just that first verse. Um, and the star spangled banner, the whole, the whole song has, you know, as you mentioned, multiple verses. I, I just think that it's like one of these things, it's like, you know, there's all sorts of reasons that people can give, but I, I, I gotta believe like what, is, what's the impression that people are seeing when they look around the world at this, they're seeing somebody just acting like a spoiled brat. It's just like grumpy that she has to honor her country's anthem. And that's the reason why I think people she has to know what that what that projects to people, which is that she doesn't like her country. And she's grumpy that she isn't even has to be a part of honoring its anthem. And I don't think that's a good thing. I, I, I really don't. I think we've become I, I mean, in all sectors of society, on all issues, we've all become very self-indulgent and very and like and uh, we're losing our sense of selflessness. We're losing our sense of community. And we're like. I, I, and I don't think that's a good trend. So I I wasn't happy with it. I didn't think it was a good look. Um, You know, I hope, I hope she succeeds and I, and actually, I hope if she does succeed that she stands for the national anthem when they play it in her honor uh, should she win some of these events in the Olympics? I really hope she does because that would be a really nice thing. And that's the kind of thing where I get emotional when I see these players like win on behalf of my country and they're standing at the top of that stand, holding the gold medal. And every, all those other countries have to endure our national anthem. I feel a sense of pride uh, around that. And um, I think it's a good thing. And I'd like to see yeah. that.
0: Well, I'd say the, the national anthem to me, um, I will say it, in, you know, the sports that I like to watch, um, like it, there is something, even though I don't feel probably the same attachment uh, to some of the symbols. And no one can argue that I don't I don't love my country. But and that's why I'm here. I'm trying to save the nation. Right. But there is something in the Olympics, I will say, when I see, you know, a person who just won, let's say, the 100 meters and they're running with the flag wrapped around them. Yes. There there is something about that. I mean, of course, when we go deep into that and we're like, how long? have we run and represented the United States when the United States has not represented the people who are usually running those races? Um, So I, I, you know, I get a little bit of the irony in it too. And I get why some people may have issues with that. And with the Star Spangled Banner playing, you know, when, uh, you know, these athletes are putting it all on the line and doing all of that for, you know, a country that, you know, and a lot of their countrymen don't always support them.
1: Let me show you somebody. I want to show you some contexts. We're talking Olympics. So let me show you this dude. You see this guy, Javon Harrison. Let me see if you can see that. Javon Harrison. He's from LSU. Mm -hmm. He's going to be competing in Tokyo this year. He is a high jumper and a long jumper, and he is qualified for both events for the U S Olympic team. Now that does not happen. You're either a high jumper or you're a long jumper. You don't qualify for both. This guy just did, and he's the first person to do it in 100 years since Jim Thorpe. The first person since Jim wow. Thorpe to qualify to do both high jump and long jump. I'm, I'm pretty sure this man actually has wings. I think this guy can actually <laughs> fly. Uh, so they may need to check him for that when he goes to the Olympics. But that's, that's incredible. And anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I do. I love the summer Olympics. I I really am looking forward to this because God, if there's anything like, you know, that's the other part of this is like, you hate to think that like partisanship or or political stances that are, that divide the country, um, uh, would be breaking their way into some of this stuff. I I like that because I kind of feel like it's one of those realms where we can be unified. I hope so anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I hope so too. Um, I think you know one of the things that makes our country so great is that we do acknowledge when someone has a legitimate grievance. Um, and I think we we do need to do that. but you know the Summer Olympics, it is fun to watch these young people and these athletes and some sometimes the older athletes you know uh, that represent your country and sometimes when they're from your state, like Michael Phelps is is like a legend where I live, you know what I mean right. and, and right. he's a legend for me, like, I don't fan over a lot of people. I see a lot of famous people and I'm like, so what? Michael Phelps, I would kind of be a little fan fanboyish, You know, I just want to take pictures and all that. He's got
1: that gold you're looking for in your basement.
0: Michael Phelps has all of it. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And I think we struck gold with this episode. I think it was great. I think it was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Vince. Once again, for this honest conversation, I hope that the viewers enjoyed it. If they did uh, like and subscribe, watch us on YouTube, watch us on Facebook, watch uh, and listen to us anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, We love you and we love this nation. Thank you for your support. Uh, We will not play the Star Spangled Banner, but we will play another banger. And that will be our own intro music, which will be coming soon. Peace out, everybody.
1: Thanks, guys.